0: Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Monstrum, written by Pierce Shee and originally posted on his blog Games with Others at gameswithothers.blogspot.com. Monstrum, the beast and its signs. The word monster comes from the Latin monstrum, where it means both a thing which is not of the natural order, but also a sign, omen, or portent of the same. It is both the thing in the dark, but also the claw mark it leaves on the door, the way animals walk backward when it is near, an eclipse heralding its birth. Also, we've got internal and safe spaces, and external and potentially dangerous spaces. Horror has monsters lurking on the outside, trying to get into the safe spaces, or it has a revelation that there is no internal and safe space, that the whole world is monstrous, or it has some combination of the two. In both cases, we're talking about ontological rupture of the First Order, of the truest essence. Something that makes being human, as we understand human, deeply problematic, if not impossible. Or, at least, I feel like good horror should do that. You cast your eyes beyond the veil, on the horizon... something. Where you put magic users is up to you, but one... When you make a magic user tell the GM what is out beyond the veil chasing you, trying to get in, you might be wrong. You might have seen it incorrectly. It might have changed its form. 2. Whenever you cast a spell, roll a d20 and tell the GM the result. The GM keeps a record of the results. It's always getting closer. They are everywhere. They are hiding. D&D provides two approaches to this. On the one hand, you've got points of light in a howling wasteland populated by the monstrous. Greyhawk, the encounter tables in the first edition of D&D, and the map it suggests you use for your game world are all of this order. On the other hand, you've got relatively civilized late medieval peoples living their lives and then, tucked away in a few dark corners, is an alternate world of monsters. BX and most of the basic modules have this more Beowulf feel to them. The former seems to often be the end result of a campaign, the latter its starting point. Both can work as a kind of horror game. Where d and really falls down on the horror front is the monotony of dungeons and the way it deploys monsters. Excerpt. A part of the solution that I've found has to do with how you talk about things. Here's an excerpt from something on which I'm working. Deny closure. Give players however much information they want. Their characters still have to dig around for it. They'll still have to spend turns and actions poking around into a thing, but they get the information. They get information, but no explanations. They are in a dark tunnel, and they see eyes in the dark, reflecting like a dog's. They hear oncoming steps, quick breathing, the sound of metal hitting stone. One of the magic users throws a torch forward and they see something, human-shaped, clothed in rags, moving towards them at a run. Two fighters move forward, jabbing into the dark with their spears. In the aftermath, they find a body, mangled. The players ask, What is it? You. Do you want to look at it? How are you going to inspect it? Players. We'll poke it. If it's lying face down, we'll roll it over. You, because rolling it over sounds good and because you want to be verbose. It's human-shaped but small, maybe like a teenager or a malnourished teenager. It's bony and its skin is sort of grey, but also very dirty, so you'll need to wash it off to tell its skin color for sure. Maybe the proportions are a little off? Maybe its legs are a little short. It's, it's wearing rags that look like they may have been clothes once. It's not holding anything. It has stringy hair. It doesn't respond when you poke it. It's like poking raw turkey or chicken. You roll it over with a pole. Which one of you is doing that? How close are you getting? Players. I'm rolling it over, I guess. I'll put my torch down and try to get close, but I'll have my shield up in case... I'll have my spear, like, on it. You. Okay. You roll it over with a pole and its arms flop to the side. Its nose is bloody and its face looks mostly human, though its mouth looks too big, maybe? There's something weird about the mouth. Anyone want to put their hand in its mouth? The players. No. (laughs) Is it like a human? You. It's like a human it looks a lot like a human. What they've just fought, in terms of stats, is a goblin. When they find more goblins later, they'll all look like the first one. There are also children like this goblin, and they're just as dangerous. Some don't speak, others speak in a language no one recognizes. It's possible that in another bolt hole are goblins that look like this first one, There are certainly other goblins that look the same but who work differently one can only be harmed in the light another heals whenever it's in the dark a third heals any injury even fatal ones if buried in the earth others make elaborate traps some worship something made of blood and fire and it is their king and gives them great strength and sight beyond the veil that's part of the puzzle anyway the other part has to do with mechanics Attribution to Sam Wolf Connolly, who is amazing. That was Monstrum, read by Nick L. S. Whalen. Blogs on Tape is a project that seeks to make the OSR more accessible through audio recordings. If you know of any blog post of particular quality that you believe deserves to be read on this podcast, please let me know. I can be reached by email ls at paperspencils.com Thank you for listening.